and I asked fellows to give it a name they generally could not. All they could tell me was that she was unlucky, and made thundering long passages, and had no more than a fair share of dirty weather. Also, that she had twice had the sticks blown out of her, and her cargo had shifted. Besides all these, a heap of other things that might happen to any packet, and would not be comfortable to run into. Still, they were ordinary things, and I was willing enough to risk them to get home. All the same, if I'd been given the chance, I should have shipped in some other vessel as a matter of preference. When I took my bag down, I found that they had signed on the rest of the crowd. You see, the home lot cleared out when they got into Frisco. That is, all except one young fellow, a cockney, who'd stuck by the ship in port. He told me afterwards, when I got to know him, that he intended to draw a payday out of her, whether anyone else did or not. The first night I was in her, I found that it was common talk amongst the other fellows that there was something queer about the ship. They spoke of her as if it were an accepted fact that she was haunted, yet they all treated the matter as a joke. All that is, except the young Cockney, Williams, who instead of laughing at their jests on the subject, seemed to take the whole matter seriously. This made me rather curious. I began to wonder whether there was, after all, some truth underlying the vague stories I had heard, and I took the first opportunity to ask him whether he had any reasons for believing that there was anything in the yarns about the ship. At first he was inclined to be a bit offish, but presently he came round, and told me that he did not know of any particular incident which could be called unusual in the sense in which I meant, yet that, at the same time, there were lots of little things which, if you put them together, made you think a bit. For instance, she always made such long passages, and had so much dirty weather, nothing but the and calms and headwinds. Then other things happened. Sails that he knew himself had been properly stowed were always blowing adrift at night. And then he said a thing that surprised me. There's too many blooming shadders about this here packet. They gets onto your nerves like nothing as ever I've seen before in me natural. He blurted it all out in a heap, and I turned round and looked at him. Too many shadows, I said. What on earth do you mean? But he refused to explain himself or tell me anything further, just shook his head stupidly. That's when I questioned him. He seemed to have taken a sudden sulky fit. I felt certain that he was acting dense purposefully. I believe the truth of the matter is that he was in a way ashamed of having let himself go like he had, in speaking out his thoughts about shadows. That type of man may think things at times, but he doesn't often put them into words. Anyhow, I saw that it was no use asking any further questions, so I let the matter drop there. Yet for several days afterwards, I caught myself wondering at times what the fellow had meant by shadders. We left Frisco the next day, with a fine fair wind that seemed a bit like putting the stopper on the yarns I'd heard about the ship's ill luck. And yet... He hesitated a moment, and then went on again. For the first couple of weeks out, nothing unusual happened, and the wind was still fair. I began to feel that I'd been rather lucky, after all, in the packet into which I'd been shunted. Most of the other fellows gave her a good name, and there was a pretty general opinion growing amongst the crowd that it was all a silly yarn about her being haunted. 
and then, just when I was settling down to things, something happened that opened my eyes no end. It was in the eight to twelve watch, and I was sitting on the steps on the starboard side leading up to the forecastle head. The night was fine, and there was a splendid moon. Away aft I heard the timekeeper strike four bells, and the lookout, an old fellow named Jasket, answered him. As he let go the bell lanyard, he caught sight of me where I sat quietly smoking. He leant over the rail and looked down at me. "'At you, Jessop?' he asked. "'I believe it is,' I replied. "'Well, have our grandmothers and all the rest of the petticoated relishing and coming out to see if it were always like this,' he remarked reflectively, indicating with a sweep of his pipe and hand the calmness of the sea and sky. I saw no reason for denying that, and he continued, "'If this old packet is haunted, and some of them seems to think, well, all I could say is let them have the luck to tumble across one of the other sort.' 